The Incomparable Podcast, number 68, November 2011. Welcome back to The Incomparable Podcast. When we last left you, we were discussing deep inside the discussion of The Empire Strikes Back. And we are going to uh, press play on that conversation and continue where we left off. Joining me for that conversation are the following. Dan Morin. Hi, Dan. You ready? Jason, I, I didn't think I was going to make it to, to the resolution of this cliffhanger. And I'm, I'm glad to be here and once again unfrozen from Carbonite. Yes. Good. Good. I thought you weren't going to make it either. Dicey. Yeah, it was it was dicey for the, for a while there. John Syracuse, uh, thanks for coming back to talk more Empire Strikes Back. I am still ready. Excellent. You always are ready. I, I appreciate that about you. And Serenity Caldwell, thank you for coming back to uh, to uh, join us on this on this ridiculously long discussion of this movie. We're not actually going back into this podcast, are we? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I got a bad feeling about this. All right, let's pick it up where we left off. So, so in the asteroid field, they go to the asteroid field, and um, and uh, there's more odds that are quoted. And I just want to mention this. I, I alluded this to this earlier. This is the, uh, I think, second of three times in this movie where odds are quoted. And um, you know, I remember this from from the original Star Trek where Mr. Spock would always quote the odds and then Dr. McCoy would be grump- grumpy about the odds. And it struck me that, that they do that same bit in this movie and they do it three different times where there's odd quoting. But but in the middle of frantic scenes of other stuff that are going on. I yeah. know. It's just, it, it struck me that, that that was maybe too many times. I think, I think it's just the, just the right number. No. So you get the first time, the first time to, you know, like to Leia and Chewie. To, and to establish it. Yeah. It's kind of sad. Right. And then the second time is ridiculous. Right. Because they're in the middle of flying into the damn asteroid field. And the third time is the shut up. Yeah. Right. Because the third time we're <laughs> sick of it. And it's what a robot would do. But uh, it's what a robot would do. Or a Vulcan. In, the, in this section of the movie, speaking of Star Trek, where you have the uh, where he does the little maneuver and the, and the star destroyers start coming too close to each other, and they say take evasive action, and and all the people in the star destroyer do the Star Trek yeah, thing where you lean against, lean, over, you lean against the wall, they scrape against each other. <laughs> you got that? Yeah. You got that great, great like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is a ridiculous scene, and it's kind of how do they not see each other coming? Right, you're a yeah. giant freaking star destroyer. They're slow moving and giant things, but the reason they have to go into the starfield, remember, is that because their first, their initial plan is let's get the heck out of here, jump to light speed again, telling everybody, remember what the Millennium Falcon did in Star Wars? Wasn't that cool? The light yeah, speed thing. Well, we're we're going to do it, it again, and it's going to get them out of there. And no, no. Yeah, they withhold. We are withholding oh, light yeah. speed. I know you love that effect from the first movie. The hyperdrive motivator is damage. It's impossible to go to light speed. Yeah, right. And you get that sad, sound, and it's. It's withholding from the audience because the audience wants them to go into light speed, and we expect it. We're like, okay, this is enough of a daring escape, you know. Well, you're you're on the edge of your seat, right? And you light speed, and we'll get out, and we'll be safe. Nope, not today. And 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 to speak to you know, this entire scene is possibly another one of my favorite. Just sort of, this, this is my favorite set piece. I think in the movie is the asteroid, the, the Millennium Falcon pursuit, right? Great music too. Great music, perfectly choreographed. The the effects are awesome. Um, even to this day, these effects look more or less flawless to me. Like the way the Falcon, like you know, flips over and like just the 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 maneuvering and piloting of that ship are just it looks so cool to me. Well, and we uh, finally have a reason for the Falcon's shape and design. I mean, in the first movie, okay, the Falcon is shaped like a giant pizza and it's awesome. But here we actually get to see, oh hey, it can go sideways, it can go through asteroids, it can outmaneuver tiny little Tie Fighters. And, and a lot of that, of course, is Han, right? Like yeah. you know, he's he is a great pilot, and so you know, well, Chewie. He's flying the ship. Well, they're both flying. They're working on it together. They both fly it. 
And I, you know, I, and there's such a great, I love that whole scene. You know, there's the scene where he's trying to fix it, right? You know, and he's mumbling all the, all the, you know, the, the babble, right? Alluvial dampers! And he's like crawling around. I love those shots. The slapstick of the tools falling on his head. Yeah, oh, yeah, the toolbox. But that, and then the, you know, I don't know how we're going to get out of this one. You know, gets hit by yeah. the toolbox and then the, wait, that wasn't, they didn't shoot us. Something hit us. And then we get like, oh crap. It's, again, the constantness of this is, it's constantly getting worse, right? This is this is Act Two again. We're back to that same idea. Oh, well, it's pretty bad because uh, you know you got Star Wars. Oh, even worse, the hyperdrive's broken. Uh, oh no, now you're in an asteroid field, like right where it gets one thing on top of another, and we're just gonna make it harder and harder. And so you're you're kind of like you're on the edge of your seat. You're you're following along, trying to figure out, like how the hell are they gonna get out of this? And you know, in in a in a movie where they were where this is the beginning of motion control, and they're just kind of getting a handle on how we can make these model ships move around and look interesting at some point in this asteroid thing according to the script they have to fly into what they think is a cave the millennium falcon doesn't fly into a cave instead they take this millennium falcon model and at probably great time and expense make it do this graceful loop accompanied oh, loop. by music that also rises and falls yep. in, a, in a scale oh, as they beautiful why why would you do that that's an that's like an apple moment it's like you're just supposed to have the ship flying to a cave that's easy enough to do get the cave get the ship get the camera set up move the thing through there ship flies into the cave and done no it's going to do a loop accompanied by music why because we care about how this movie looks at every single second well and not just that but that's the you know it's han right like he's showing off a little like he's doing his thing like this is how he flies and i, and I have to say like when i was saying about the special effects before um I, i'm hard pressed to think of a movie with cgi effects that i think looks this cool I don't know. It's just it's something about the model work and the, the knowledge and the, the, the look of the thing that it, it looks real. Yeah. It yeah. looks real to me in a way that CGI has never done. The, the rocks could look better in CGI, but the ship could not. Yeah, the ship looks awesome. I mean, and clearly that's painstaking detail, right? Like that's a thing. You know, it's a thing that people have spent all their time crafting all these little details and gluing things on and carving things and everything and, and painting. And it looks it looks like a real live thing and you know you see the other tie fighters following trying to follow them and getting smushed and blowing up and everything and it's just it's perfect i love it i'm done perfect in its imperfections oh this is suicide that looks pretty good that looks pretty good yeah it'll do nicely excuse me man but where are you going So, uh, there's a Muppet. (laughs) So as he's, as he's, as he's coming into Dagobah, he says, let's start the landing cycle. And all I could think about, even from when I was a kid, is like, it's like a washing machine has the landing cycle, the drying, the drying cycle, (laughs) permanent press. He crashes for the second time. Yes. He's not, he's not doing well as a pilot. Not very good. I love, you know, he, he, he comes down and he sunk his ship in and then R2 of course falls in. And I kept, you know, I kept thinking this time, like, man, it's a good thing. They really know how to waterproof those guys. Cause if he dropped his freaking iPhone in that swamp, that thing's gone, baby. Avoid warranty in a second. Dagobah swamp water. Forget it. R2's a hearty little. Well, I mean, clearly he's despite being a robot. You think, oh my God, you put a, you put an electric thing in water. Oh no, (laughs) this is the end. And see, isn't it interesting that they can get away with like, so we had slapstick in the action scene with a toolbox and stuff like that. And you have little bits of it here, but so he falls in and the whole thing is played for slapstick, a little bit of drama with the thing eating him, but it spits him out. Like it, this is a slapstick 
comedy relaxation moment in the middle of a, an otherwise action adventure film and it works you don't question it you don't be like oh this is a strange change in mood and i don't understand it at all like somehow they make these transitions so well and it also comes across as not crass like so many of the attempts at slapstick humor in the prequels do right yeah you know some so many of those are like you know you get like the the bad the poo jokes or whatever because right? this is bringing the plot forward too like he's he's on a right. planet he's crashed he's concerned about r2 he's not familiar with this environment you know if putting him in more peril now his droid is half broken and filled with mud i like the parallel between uh r2 uh luke saying to r2 at the very beginning he's like yes i think it's perfectly safe for droids and not five minutes later <laughs> he gets eaten by a big Sea monster. That was one of my favorite cuts too. When when he's when he's looking around, he's like, you know, he's dubious about the. He just crashes ship. He's got his droid out. He's all full of everything, and he bends down. He's like, damn. And then the end of the scene is is R two expelling a huge amount of mud from his flap, <laughs> and Luke just rolls his eyes, and they do another circle wipe. <laughs> it's just it's just like, yep, that's pretty much where Luke is at this point. His droid is spitting up mud. <laughs> he's he's wiping yeah. mud off of it. Dagobah, good plan. Yeah. R2's all rendezvous point. What did I tell you? (laughs) After a quick cutaway to Darth Vader's strange office, he's got a mug. World's greatest Dark Lord. World's best Sith Lord, yes. Yoda makes his first appearance. And I find this is also funny because this is our... um, You know, it's... it's They meet under under a misconception. And... uh, like we're being watched, and that's uh, and uh, and he takes his food, and there's actually a moment that I noticed watching it this time that I thought was hilarious is that is that he tries to, he takes food from Luke, and Luke takes it back, and then he like looks at it and looks at it and throws oh, it yuck. away. This, yeah. this creature touched this. You've clearly not seen this movie enough if you just noticed that now. Tossed it away. Yeah. That's a great scene. I love that Luke Skywalker scene. I think I've noticed it and forgot it. And noticed it again that just that you know, and I I imagine he's like. Ooh, it's got Muppet stuff on it, and he tosses tosses it away. Oh, cannot well, get your the, ship out. <laughs> yeah, the the sheer joy in Yoda in this scene, right? Like the Yoda knows that this is all right. He, you know, it's a test, but he also knows that that he's been watching Luke, right? He knows what he thinks. He's trying to play to his weeks, you know, to to his flaws and vulnerabilities, right? In saying like he'll never assume that I am this, you know, great warrior, or whatever. Um, and so we'll see how he treats me if if that's what he thinks. And I just, but I love that the glee that Yoda seems to take in it. I love the scene with him in the lamp, right? <laughs> and see the, the thing about Yoda in in, in Empire that uh, that the, the prequels, their mere existence, like I, I, I reject their interpretation yeah. of Yoda is that I agree. Yes, he's this great Jedi warrior, and yes, this is a test and it's a put on and stuff like that. But I also get the very distinct impression from this movie, which no other movies will shake me of, is that Yoda is kind of a goof. Like, yeah. he he does have that playful nature. And yeah. he when he's fighting with R2 over the lamp, he thinks he should have the lamp and the droid shouldn't. And yes, he could crush him into a, a ball of tin with the Force. But in general, he's, he's like a good-natured, goofy, fun kind of guy. Not the horrible, dour, serious, piece of crap CGI thing from the other three movies. This is the Yoda that I think of. Well, you gotta love that little scene, right? Where he gets the lamp and Luke's like, let him have it. And, yeah. he, you know, R2 pulls his arm back and then... And he whacks him one more Yoda time. whacks it with the cane and closes the door on, on the arm. I love it. And, you know, speaking to the CGI abomination, I... I you will again with the same thing with the Falcon, and you will not convince me that any of those CGI versions of him look more real than the Muppet version. There is something so expressive, and imp- I was watching it very closely this time. And you know, I think 
on all the watchings I've ever had of this, I always just treat him as a, a person. Like he just he just comes across as a real living flesh and blood creature. And and you could not dissuade me for that, even if I'm looking at it. I mean, yeah, he moves kind of weird at times or whatever. But, like, you look at the face and the subtle expressions that they do at a couple points where, like, yeah, yeah. you know, you'll see his, like, chin tighten and the, the way his eyes move or even his ears. Um, it's it's incredible. And I think, you know, having a person behind that to to translate that emotion in the same way that having someone dressed as Chewbacca or – People inside the droids, you know, all of those things lend a humanity to these characters that otherwise comes across as incredibly sterile. Um, and and you know, you could not convince me that that any CGI is better than Frank Oz working that Muppet. Also, don't forget the um, the the making a motion picture, the the craft of being able to take a puppet, but also cut in various ways. There are several shots in this movie where you see. You see Yoda sitting, he's walking, he's, he's, so it's not as if, it's not like Sesame Street where they're just only shot from the waist up. He's not hiding behind a table. Exactly, right. So, so the, it's intercut enough that it does really bring out the illusion. Um, I'm reminded of a moment where you see Kermit the Frog riding the bike in the Muppet movie and you're like, oh my God, Kermit's got legs, right? Because we, we never see them. He's always just a puppet, right? So Yoda is the same way. You see him, you see him as a, as a whole creature, even though some of that is just misdirection from, from editing, but it, it, it makes a huge difference. In the same way, the special effects from the original movie, uh, I think we touched upon this, the limitations make it better, Right. It's hard, right? They had to think about ways to get around that. Whereas with CGI, it's whatever. It's easy. We just make them walk, right? It's CGI. Duh. Done. You know, whereas this where they had to think really hard about, well, how are we going to make this look real when we're constrained by certain limitations? We got to have a guy working this thing, right? Like, how do we do that? Um, And I think that, you know, the art of pulling that off is what takes this from just being a really dull, sterile, you know, straightforward uh, and you know, story and elevates it to being something that is so effective. I think there's two other things that are working in the favor of of making this work. The first one is cultural, in that everyone who saw this movie at the at the age that we are when when it came out was brought up on a diet of of Muppets, essentially from Sesame Street. And so I loved eating Muppets. We were completely on board with the mannerisms, conventions of the world of Muppets. That we were, they didn't seem alien to us. They seemed like this is the way little creatures act on TV. And all the idiosyncrasies that are due to the limitations in puppetry didn't bother us at all. We were completely on board with them. And the second one is that, like, like a good magic trick, the, the magic trick is, you know, it's misdirection. They're going to yes. point mm-hmm. you over here to get you to just not look at the, at the limitation. The thing that's misdirecting you most of the time with Yoda is the amazing performance of Frank Oz. Like, so if he, Frank Oz knows he's going to, I'm going to emote with his eyes and his chin in this scene, and you're going to listen to my voice. And everything else that happens where you to look at it, you would say that looks horrible and fake, and it's obviously a puppet and it's dumb. But like a great magic trick, you don't even look at those things because the voice and the two things he chose to make you look at sell it. Well, look at that scene, the scene where Luke realizes it's Yoda, right? His whole, Yoda's whole bearing changes. He, 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 gets, up, he gets upright more, yeah. His stance sort of straightens up. His face sort of tightens up a little bit in a way that is just like a, yeah, and what if I am? <laughs> you know, like, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> and, and, and at that point, he's, he's pissed off because he's like, I can't train this kid. Like, you know, he, he, disapproval. Disapproval is also on his face there. Uh, yeah. And that whole, you know, again, with the language, we're, we're, we're taking him 
we treat him kind of silly because he speaks backwards, right? Backwards he speaks. Um, and and but I love the 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 slam on that one line. You are reckless, right? No problem saying that. <laughs> he just points it out, and it hits home. <laughs> it's a great performance, and it is a, a really fully realized performance, and that's why I think it's resonated with people um, for so long. I, I, I am struck, though. Imagine, so so you made the biggest grossing movie of all time, right? So you've got some latitude. Um but at the same time, you really don't want to mess this up. This is your everybody's waiting to see your second movie that you're going to make, and the the decision to have a major character in the movie be a puppet. I mean, seriously, think about that. They they could have ca- they could have cast a guy in makeup, a little guy to be a wizened old wizard kind of creature. And they didn't. They got, you know, they got the Jim Henson people, and they got Frank Oz to puppet and perform it. Right. And I just, I, it is. I think now we all just kind of accept Yoda as this puppet character. But um, how brave a decision that was in some ways, because it could have been a disaster, right? A laughing yeah. stock, and it turned out to be a great decision, but um, pretty brave because they could have they could have played it safe. At the end of uh, at the end of my laserdisc copy that I watched of this, there's like a like seven minute interview with George Lucas, um, which is Leonard Maltin sitting down with him, and there there were a couple interesting points. I, I was interested to know that he um, he tried to get Henson to do it for the first part, um, like you know Henson was supposed to play Yoda, and he was just like, nee, you know what, I'm too busy. But like, what about Frank? And he was, you know, Lucas was like, yeah, totally, okay, you know, and, he, and you know Henson refers to Frank, he's my other half, right? You know, and like this is I was thinking of Kermit, but we can go with Grover, right? Well, I mean, you know, that you know Frank Oz is, is a genius in his own right, so there's no there's no question there. But it, it, he does talk a little bit about this, uh, you know, process of deciding to make it uh, a Muppet, and uh, and I think. You know, it's it's effective because in the same way that Yoda presents himself as somewhat less than he is upon his appearance, um, we're all willing to, you know, sort of go along with that. Because, again, as John was saying, like you're sort of inoculated into knowing how Muppets act, right? Oh, silly Muppets, right? Like funny kind of comic relief Muppets. Waka waka. Yeah, and so you 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 buy into that too, right? You yeah. buy into the idea like, oh, this is just some crazy alien who lives on this planet. Who wants to eat my food. It, it, we're, we're put in Luke's shoes, yeah. right? And, you know, I think that we get that reveal, too, and that's kind of a damning reveal when it's like – and that's the whole that's the whole message of Yoda, right? Do you judge people by appearances? And, and think of the end of the end, that scene, though. So he, we start off with, like, the guy, you know, who's stealing his food and being goofy, and the end of that thing, before they wipe away back to the Han story for good for a while, is the, you know, oh, I could do it, Master I'm not afraid, and he does the you will me line. You went from yeah. this goofy thing – to a, a genuinely scary to a little kid who is watching this video, you will be like, Jesus, That's you know, kind of sinister, yeah, right? It is. Like, and, yeah. and look at the range of that character from his introduction to ten minutes later. How how our view of this character is like the funny, goofy guy to the one that is scaring ten year old children now. All right, so now we've got at this point in the movie, we've got lots of things that happen in caves or things that we think are caves. Um, the back of the Millennium Falcon, uh, I think the turning point I, for the Han and, and Leia relationships in some ways is, uh, for me, is the moment where she says, 
you make it so hard sometimes. And he says, I do. I, I do. I really, I really do. do. I really do. Because <laughs> he's, right? he's finally owning up to the thing that they've been doing for the, for this part, for the first part of the movie. Oh. He's acknowledging it and saying, yes, you're right. The thing you think I've been doing, I admit that I've been doing it. Let's level well, it. and he throws out the, the name thing, too, right? Like, would you stop calling me that? Sure, Leia. Yeah, you know, right? Like, there's something kind of infuriating <laughs> yeah. about that. Her first name sounds worse. It's like he wanted her to call her. It's just, you yeah. can't win. Hey, your worship, I'm only trying to help. Would you please stop calling me that? Sure, Leia. You make it so difficult sometimes. I do, I really do. You could be a little nicer, though. Come on, admit it, sometimes you think I'm all right. Occasionally, maybe, when you aren't acting like a scoundrel. Scoundrel? Scoundrel? I like the sound of that. Stop that. Stop what? Stop that. My hands are dirty. My hands are dirty, too. What are you afraid of? Afraid? You're trembling. I'm not trembling. You like me because I'm a scoundrel. There aren't enough scoundrels in your life. I happen to like nice men. I'm nice men. Very not you. Sir, I've isolated the reverse power flux coupling. Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, you're perfectly welcome, sir. No, and then C-3PO gets in the way and spoils the entire yeah. thing. Go! <laughs> I just love that. I do. I do. I really do. That that's that moment where it's like uh-huh. that's a great scene there. And, and, and the the other one is that when she's scared, she comes running to Han. And goes, "There's something out there." And at that moment, she's she's first time showing vulnerability to Han because the whole time she's been like, "I'm tough. I don't need you." Blah blah blah. Now she's scared. But Minox, I saw a Minox. And one of the ah! well, and the lovely thing about that, and and this is one of the places where I think this, you know, the film clearly trumps one of the radio drama scenes, is that he doesn't question it. Right? He just goes. Like where, you know, like what happened? He's generally concerned. He, he he could, you know, what we've seen of Han, right? Like he could easily take that opportunity to make fun of her. Um, but he doesn't. He sees that she's actually concerned. She's relating right. to him on a real level. He's, he will return, you know, in kind. It's the foundation for a healthy relationship. This is the moment where it all, I think, where those two characters just kind of put it together. Those two crazy kids. Those, I know. And in that cave that is um, not a cave. The cave, that's not well, a cave. How did you meet? How did you meet your mom? Well, we were in a space slug and... Yeah. <laughs> well, th- that, that little scene they had where they're, where they're, you know, my hands are dirty too. What are you afraid of? I'm not afraid of. But like, that's that's good snappy dialogue and delivered in a way that they get closer to each other and quieter until like the down to the last line, which is also funny. In addition to being cool and everything, I happen to like nice men. He goes, I'm a nice man. I'm a nice <laughs> man. Uh-huh. Don't. No, no, you're not. I'm an, I'm an no, you're not. You're smooch. Romantic comedies have not had that type of scene. And, and the thing is, you got to dis- you got to disengage them because you. If and again, I always think, what would a modern movie do? They'd have some sort of love scene in the special love lounge on the line. No, see, three uh. interrupts them because we got an action movie to back up. He hits the, the button, button and the, like the bed turns around. The button that shakes the ship. Yeah, they're being pursued by the Empire. We're in a space slug. We need to get out of here. Hey, if the Falcons are rocking. <laughs> That's right. No time for love, Dr. Jones. It's probably being hit by asteroids if the Falcon is a rockin'. Chewbacca, if I hang if I hang this tie over the door to my quarters, <laughs> just stay in the front of the ship, okay? <laughs> I think they and I've always said that they removed the uh in, in in Star Wars there are dice hanging from the cockpit. You can see in a couple scenes. 
Chewie hits his head on like these little dangly dice. They're not like fuzzy dice, but they're there. They're they're gone in in in, in Empire, which always makes me a little sad. So so anything else to say about the cave and the fact that I mean it's just a clever little turnaround when they discover that they're inside a, a creature. Lionox chewing on the power cable. It's great. It's one of those it's fun scenes. Although I, I would say that Han's decision, if you think you're inside a creature, maybe don't take that point to say, well, there's one way to find out for sure. Why not shoot it? Uh. <laughs> maybe find well, a less so big maybe it's just, just like leave find, him with a pin. find a less severe experiment perhaps because if that if your suspicion turns out to be correct now that it's probably angry john han shoots first yes, asks questions know. never come on this is this they, is keeping they also do the star trek thing again with the let's tilt the camera and everybody lean yeah. they pull it off yeah yeah and they don't want to go out right because they know that the empire is waiting for them out there and so they don't yeah. want to go and out they say, we can't right. go out there it's no time to discuss this in a committee that's the committee yeah. i am not a committee <laughs> And that's the, after yeah. the kissing scene. So it shows that even though they have, it, like, basically that's Han saying, let's not let this be weird, okay? Yeah. Let's, you know, we can go back to the way, <laughs> the, the way that we banter and everything. We can still banter. She doesn't know? act like what he's saying is beneath her. She's actually a little, indi- actually indignant now. It's like, right. Don't, don't, no, I'm not the committee. Yeah. We go back to the swamp. Are we ready yeah, to do that? Yeah. The, my the um, my next scene? note here is Dagobah is kind of boring. I, I do not get that at all because Dagobah is the heart no. of this movie for me. I've heard people say a couple things about Dagobah. One is that it's a middle section and it drags. And it drags. the other one is that everything Yoda says is platitudes. And I disagree with both of those. I things. disagree uh, with the – I don't think everything Yoda says is platitudes. I, I do think the – I do think the Dagobah stuff, the training stuff goes on a little too long. It's it's not it's not drawn out like but but everything works to a purpose. Here's the thing I like about the training scenes, right? So the 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 conventional training, like usually in martial arts films or whatever. Where's where the you, montage, where have, by the way? Yeah, where, where you have where you have ups. some sort of old old master who's trying to teach you something. So a lot of them have montages, sometimes set to music. But even ignoring that, the kid. general path is Kung Fu Panda. the master shows the student something the student finds it difficult the master is frustrated the master keeps doing it and there's an eventual moment of breaking through and the student finally says yeah i can get this i can learn it and the master is happy that never happens to luke everything leota tries to teach him he screws it up and, and at the very at the ending point of this particular scene he's like you know he's making things fall down he's not concentrating every time he has a new power he's asking dumb questions no 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 no, no more will i teach you today clear your minds of questions like you're just screwing up and he, he never has a breakthrough where the, where the master they cut to the master and the master smiles and like yeah you're finally getting it never oh yeah well and, the, and then of course we have the cave too right Yeah, he which screws is, up there too which is not only he screws up but like that the cave is a great sub, like the beginning i like the beginning of the cave. The cave of psychology. Well, no, but I mean, like, I like the cave with, the, you know, your weapons. You won't need them. It, he gives them a hint. He tells them how 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 dense you have to be. And and Luke gives him that look, right? He Luke is and he's like, yeah, whatever. I'm taking my gun. You know what happens in the cave? It, it, what happens in the cave is that um, there are low frames per second. Uh, I've noticed that too, but that, that works for me. Yes. I remember being a kid in, like, uh, God, fifth grade or something and going over to my friend's house and for the first time ever seeing a quick time video and my first thought being about it, like it looks like that scene from empire strikes uh, uh, back low frames per second <laughs> i always associate it with that now well it's meant to be right it's dreamlike it's it's right. it's not yeah, real it's grainy and strange it's an inexpensive dreamlike and the music makes it dreamlike too the high violin there's and- something fascinating that got me about it that i noticed i've noticed before but i was reminded of it this time um both of the battle scenes that Luke is in, in the cave and later on Cloud City, 
he draws his weapon first. Yes, yes, I definitely noticed that in both. I mean, in the cave, it's obvious. And even in the second one, even though you know he's going to be like knowledge and defense, never for attack. He doesn't even get that right lesson. Now. He just is not taking instruction well. Yeah, exactly. I love that. And I love that he totally screws that up sucks. twice. Yeah. And after it's been drilled into yeah. him. You know, you're still angry and pissed off, right? And speaking of that's why you failed. So this scene is the one where, like, he notices the ship sinking more, and that's why he screws up in one of his other exercises. And Yoda starts talking to him about it, and and and, uh, and he gets all pissed. He's like, give me a break. I'm getting the ship out. Or moving rocks is one of them. It's a gigantic ship. I'm not doing that. And then, of course, Yoda, you know, sighs and goes, I gotta show this kid what that's going on. What this scene is doing in the movie is it's widening the boundaries of the force before we started this movie we thought the force could let you shoot things better and make you disappear when you die then he brought his lightsaber to his hand you're like this force is great i can get the salt from across the table and i can get the ketchup and, you know <laughs> my cup of coffee he lifts the entire ship out of the swamp to say you think you know what the force is about but you don't this little green turd thing is going to lift the entire x-wing out of the swamp by his loans and put it right down next to a student and show him the force is not what you think it is the, when you thought it was in the beginning of the movie it's not what you thought it was when he moved lightsaber you don't even know what the force is you know and by the way, I could have just, to prove my point, I could have just strangled you, but I didn't. <laughs> right, we don't I'm merciful that. like that. And I want to say a, a one shot there that I love, which is that when, uh, when they bring the X-Wing down, Luke reaches up and slaps it, right? And I think the thing that gets me there is, again, talking about the production stuff, it's a thing. It's a giant ship. It's not a CGI ship, right? They built a freaking yeah, field-size yeah. X-Wing. It's there. And I think that, to me, is, again, one of those moments of, like, that is awesome. Like, that is so cool that there's a thing. And I also, I do love the the totally kind of terrible look that Mark Hamill gives uh, R2, like, which is the totally telegraphed, I don't believe it uh. look. <laughs> but it's, 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 it's bad. It's not very good. But at the same time, I love it. There's something great about that. Like, he, he looks at him wide-eyed and shakes his head like, but no. he, he delivers the lion ball. He, instead of him saying, yeah, I did not believe this was good. possible, he says, I don't believe it. The same way you would as a just, you know, temple uh, exclamation of, I don't believe it. Like, and then no Yoda, way. Yoda turns it into a teaching opportunity. It's a teachable yeah. moment. He says, Luke, that is why you failed. So I, I didn't think that scene, this is probably the boring part where he's jumping around. I didn't think it was too long and boring. And I love, I love the fact that Yoda's training it just bounces off this loser. Yeah, well, this, this part this part is true. Um, I, I uh, among my other notes here is that the force is an excellent uh, a tool to use to stack rocks. Um, yep. The you Round also rocks. you can you can um, one of Luke's training uh, regimens appears to be do a handstand and levitate yourself and then lift a series of boxes and if you've got extra time a droid split your mind into five pieces. <laughs> I know it's like Kavoth. It's it's eerie. Yeah. I wrote down luminous beings are we not this crude matter. That's my one of my favorite I love that one, one of my favorite Yoda lines. Line. Trying to explain what this whole force business is about and that it's there's a bigger picture here which I really like. A rare polysyllabic word from Yoda. And, and you get the sense that he's trying to cram in. Like he says, he's too old. Oh, yeah. Like, what do you mean too old? He seems like he's the perfect age. He's like a young adult. Isn't that when you would train him? But you see that he's trying to cram in so much information in such a short time. He's just Luke's not processing it. If you look at everything that Yoda says, it's an explanation of something, but he's not prepared no. to under... It's just too much information too fast. And how many... Uh, just out of curiosity, I mean, from your guys' perspective... How many days do you think he's there? Not that long. Maybe like a, a week. Because I was or... trying to calculate based on like how long they spent running away from the uh, the Falcon Spence running away. Yeah. You don't know how long it took them to fly without warp speed to... to well, Boston. to Cloud City. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it seems like not more than a few days, though, right? Yeah, they make it seem like only it's a few days. It's not long. But I bet it would be like a, a week. week or... Yeah. Have they spent weeks. a week running away from the Empire? Well, they, they spent a week flying. They couldn't, they couldn't go to light speed, and it's 
takes a while to get around. You also don't know how long they were sitting on the back of the Star Destroyer until they get dumped off for trash. Yeah, because you see them there and it's all dark and you're like, you know, so what's our next move? They could have been hanging out there for a while. I, 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 I don't know. It always seems to me like three or four days. I'm like, man, that's a that's a very short time to cram in your Jedi training. <laughs> it does seem faster in the movie. Like, that's the question. Like, exactly how much Jedi training did Luke actually get? But I think even if you think it's only been a few days, it shows. He looks like someone who's yeah. had like a three-day course on, you know, professional driving and now, you know. <laughs> boot camp. Jedi boot camp. <laughs> right. And, and has not absorbed it. It's like if you took a three-day professional driving course. It's a Jedi weekend, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's a Jedi weekend warrior. So, so um, before we get back to the the Falcon, Luke has this sudden kind of vision when he's upside down and lifting boxes, right? Of uh, of uh, Leia and Han in in pain, a city in the clouds, and that leads leads him to leave Yoda. The swamp scenes. I love how everything is wet. I love how all the actors, the hair is wet down. I love the lighting, yeah. even though it's obviously an indoor set. I love the lighting in, in the Dagobah swamp scenes. R2-D2 R2 is. is getting, is rained on. and Yeah, yeah the mist, just, misty Everything feeling. looks tack sharp and solid, and it just somehow doesn't bother me that it's a soundstage. Uh, I, I just love those scenes. I love, the, I love that Luke cracks his head on the, on the inside of Yoda's <laughs> head. It's a great yeah. little scene. It's a great little, it's a great little humor shot in an otherwise very serious scene, really. Right, and he doesn't think it's funny. He's frustrated. It works yeah. to his frustration, but the viewer is, it thinks it's funny. What I was struck by in the last scene with Yoda, when, you know, Ben appears and says, no, really, you should stick around and all of that. Um, but the last scene, I, I, it's actually beautifully orchestrated where I love that scene. Ben, it, just from the lighting and everything, Ben fades out. There's the light of the X-Wing taking off. Then it darkens as the X-Wing is going to black. Yep. That boy is our last hope. And then it's just a little lighter and Yoda says, no, there is another it's just, it's this amazing black, you know, and then light and then dark and then light. I love that entire scene. That entire scene is shot beautifully it's really great. with Luke running around trying to get away. And both of them are like, they, you know, they're trying first to dissuade him. And then they realize nothing we're going to say is going to get through this guy. Let's just try and like give him at least the barest advice. You know, don't give in to hate, right? Like this is, this is the basic. What Yoda says is his last advice is not telling him how he can be successful, but just trying to tell him, mind what you have learned, save you at Kent. Like, you may not Don't die. die. This could keep this could keep you alive. Listen yeah. to what I'm saying. No, you're not gonna win. Come on. You're 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 screwed, but save you at Ken. It's possible that you could not die, so listen to our advice. I'll throw in my one continuity nitpick here. Um because it, it just because it amuses me. Where does the freaking ladder on the X-Wing go? Yes, yes. It, well, and the toy, it goes into the Ziploc bags next to the... Uh-huh. <laughs> where, where I goes. just always pictured him having to, like, leave a ladder. He has got, like, 20 ladders in the cargo bay. He just leaves yeah. it on every planet. A, a woman in every to. port and a ladder on every planet. <laughs> that's, the, that's the Rebel Alliance way. That's my only... Yeah, that's how the, the Rebel Alliance is terribly over budget on ladders, let me tell you. And I'll also point out, since we do so many Doctor Who and time travel things or whatever, that... Empire Strikes Back is a time travel movie because his vision of the future is what motivates him to go before the thing that's motivating him to go has actually yes. happened yet. But in order to, for that vision of the future to happen, the future events have to happen where those people are tortured yes. to make them have the vision right. back. Right. And, and Yoda, <laughs> as Yoda says, you know, like, you know, maybe if, right. if you went now, maybe you could help them. But if you didn't go now, maybe they wouldn't torture but, them. And then you, you, it's just but yes, you yeah. destroy everything. It is a, and, is it, you know, it's a time travel movie but it ends up being necessary and maybe you right. know depending on how you look right. at it right we skipped over the, the the good line of when they they're clinging to the back and they escape with the rest of the yeah garbage. i want to talk about about the the boat we have the we have the bounty hunters 
which I know yes. some people love. And okay, then, we don't need this. Gum. And then we have the garbage. They hang out with the garbage. The thing that got me on the bounty hunters this time, which I had never thought about before, was where the hell did they come from? Are they hanging out on the Star Destroyer? They, they all flew in on their ships. They flew in after like two days. Like, oh, yeah, we hear this Star Destroyer in the middle of nowhere is needs, needs some bounty hunters. Well, you put it on the on like the Empire Craigslist saying wanted right. bounty hunters come here to Darth Vader's ship and we have got a mission. They're still in the freaking asteroid field. No, I well, I feel like they just haven't left the asteroid field because Hey bounty hunters, come to this asteroid field. I I feel hey, like you guys are hunters, expressing this, this way, field. way too much though. It's definitely a couple months. A couple months? It's a month at least. It is not it's, a month. It is a month. It is not even remotely a month. It is a month at least. They can't spend a month getting away from these people. It's like four days. I don't think it's supposed to be a month. No, it's I not a month. Time to get there. But I think we did. We skip over the emperor. Yeah, we did. Oh, there's a brief period of yes. There's the emperor in, in Darth Vader's office. No, he's in a different place. He's kneeling on the little. He's kneeling on the little kneeling thing that makes the giant emperor head appear. Uh, but that establishes that there's someone above Vader, which is important. And also, he doesn't show up as a. Uh, he doesn't show up as a mini emperor. No. Like, like, bite size. Yeah, he shows up as gigantic emperor, and it shows that, you know, even Vader has a boss, and it makes you, it makes you fear who this emperor guy is, and that, you need the emperor's presence there, not just for the next movie, but for this movie, so that in the later scenes, Vader has someone to play right. off against, you know, you and me, son, we can take on this other dude, because, you know, that you need to establish that Vader thinks it's so important, he wants to bring the ship out of the asteroid field to send a clear transmission, he kneels before him, the guy talks to him, he has his head bowed, he says the son of Skywalker, which is great, very careful wording, yes. which will, you know, pay off later in the thing, and, you know, that that is an important short scene, again, economy, not long scenes with the Emperor, he's not menacing and mincing around, we don't even see him till the middle of the movie, but it's important to establish this for the rest of the movie to work. There's great agendas in there, right? Like, cause he's, you know, Vader's working something. The Emperor's working something. He could destroy us. Well, I don't really want to destroy him because he's my son. He could be turned. Uh, uh, hey, you know? that's not that he could be like, he could be really important. And, the, you know, they're both thinking, I think at that point, I can use him against the other guy right. if I need to. Right. right and and exactly. I love that, yeah. you know, Vader almost looks friendly by comparison. The Emperor is creepy, right? Like scary disfigured especially the original emperor not the not the palpatine the one where they have baboon eyes and it's like melee takes makeup and yeah those big eye cup things it's creepy he's messed up i wanted to mention my one um i think there's a it's a scene right before that um one of my favorite little throwaway details is uh they cut back to the asteroid field an asteroid hits one of the like bridges of the star destroyer and you cut and you see the hologram guy go <gasps> and like throw his hands up and disappear right. i just i love that you if you blink you'll miss it but it's a great little detail i i had to show that to my son three times because the first time i saw it i paused it and i said did you know did you notice anything there and then i showed it to him again and like i mean i don't know if i saw it the first no, time I, but it took I me many no times to see it, but... not seeing i'm pretty sure i saw it the first time oh it's but great yeah, they, that stuff is all over these movies. also there's a scene um i think maybe we haven't got to it yet the captain nita um where he strangles yeah. him. I'll apologize to the Emperor myself. And, then, and that's another one of those great, like, I, for the first time I ended up watching the other officers who are standing around after he chokes him. And they kind of like, they're kind of like milling and like peering around. And then when they drag the corpse out, they they scurry the hell away, <laughs> which is a great little detail. They're like, oh crap, he strangles someone. He's in a bad mood. Don't, no one will go talk to the boss right now. <laughs> So in the in the bounty hunter scene, they've got this big menagerie of bounty hunters, right? And we see all of them, and we all have the action figures and know their names. But 
for the importance of this movie and the rest of this movie, well, only one of them is important. And how is it expressed which one is important? It's like three seconds. Vader goes down to each one of them, says, I want them alive, blah, blah, blah. Turns to one particular guy, points his finger in his face. They do a reverse shot. He says, no, no disintegration. Uh, that is the bounty hunter that's important because Vader took the time out to wag his finger at him. He got a line. He says, as you wish. And he yes. really meant uh, And then he's the one. He's the one who wow. we're going to be. And obviously we follow him. We see that he's smart enough to follow Hans plan and stuff like that. Again, so tight because there's so much you have to do in this movie. How do we express that this is the important bounty hunter? I can do it in 1.5 seconds with one reverse camera angle shot and one line from each side. Great, great filmmaking. Yeah, agreed. Mm-hmm. They attack. I love the. I love that they. You're wait. You're not actually attacking a star destroyer, right? <laughs> That's a great moment of desperation, right. right? They try to use the hyperdrive again. It's still broken. Oh crap! You know, and it's literally the last ditch attempt, and yet it pays off. It totally works. You know, and we have that moment of where the hell do they go? As they release the landing claw and now detached, you got the hero music and everything. And Leia gives him this very sweet kiss. He says, you do have your well, moments, I, not many, but you do have them, which is a genuine expression of affection and admiration without all that crap that they had in the beginning, without the guardedness. Uh, or the- Although there's some of that, too, right? Like, you know, he's a gambler, con man, scoundrel. You'd like him. Yeah, but it comes off of giving him a kiss, and it, it's sweet. It's it's just plain sweet. If two people, yeah. they were, you know, in a private moment uh, expressing yeah. themselves, I think that's that's more sweet and romantic than the kissing scene. And I love the, uh, every time I hear the line, um, you know, Lando system, I think, <laughs> Lando's not a system, he's, he's a, a man, man, baby. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. Also, is it isn't it great that the Millennium Falcon doesn't have a rear view mirror? It has really poor visibility like any good sports car. Yeah, seriously, it's got a blind yeah. spot where... He's like 40 feet behind them, and they're like, we're great. Let's just go to Cloud City. Boba Fett is bold. That's what I'll say. He's bold. Plus, that, that ship is heavily modified. Yeah. You know, he's got... He's hiding. He's got, like, stealth stuff. No ship that small as a cloaking device. Aha! Unless you have Boba, Boba Fett. Because he's that awesome. Also, they're not paying attention. They're just trying to get to Cloud City. But they gotta look at the GPS the whole time. There's no light speed. So my thought, my thought when uh, when we meet uh, Billy D. Williams as Lando Calrissian, um, I thought, hey, it's a it's a new character, which it's interesting. Like, uh, you know, a major character is introduced who is new, who was mm-hmm. not in the last movie, who's a, right. a a friend of ours. I mean, there's Yoda, who's a puppet, but and then there's and then there's Billy D. Williams. There he is, and he only shows up for what forty minutes, maybe. He's not in that that much of it, but he's crucial. I agree. He's a he's a major character, and yet he he shows up you know two thirds of the yeah, way through the film. About forty five minutes left. And, and what a, and what an entrance he has too. What an entrance he comes oh. out with his cape flying behind him with his, his entourage guards, coming his behind guards, him. Yeah. Like who are only there just just for the joke. Well, and I love that he's sort of saying, you know, this is clearly, in that, again, to John's point about economy, you know, like we've summed up the relationship between these two guys, right, in a right. couple of lines of dialogue. Chewie. Keep your eyes open, won't you? Yep. You know, like, the, you trust this guy? Of course I trust him. You know, like, I think there's that, you know, we get this idea between these two guys, and we get that little exchange between the two of them. What have you done to my ship? Oh, yeah, you lost her to me fair and square, you know, and, oh, you're still hanging out with this loser, Chewbacca. Like, you know, we get the idea. Like, this is a guy that they've known for a while. They have some history with him. He's clearly very much, in many ways, cut from the same cloth as Han, but this is where we start, we start to get an idea of like the diverging paths, like where Han might be had he not fallen in with the rebellion, perhaps. Well, and, and Lando's got that great line that that is um, mostly, I think, off screen, and it's as he's walking away, where where 
he he basically says, well, you know, I ended up being a businessman because, you know, it was necessary. He, I forget exactly what the line is, but, you know, he's basically explaining I am why he is a respectable yeah. businessman yeah. now when it was never expected. Sort of, it just sort of ended up that way. And now he's got this Cloud City thing. And, well, and, and I do love that in that first scene where he says, hello, what have we huh. here? And then, yeah. he, you know, he kisses her hand, right? And the look that Carrie Fisher has on her face in that one scene, right, is probably, to my mind, the most genuine smile you see from her in this entire film. She looks like he's just so damn charming, right? <laughs> he has a diff- he has a different approach than Han. Definitely, definitely a different approach. And and he does he does the great line. He says, "I'm the administrator of this facility," but he's got to use the big words to impress the lady to show that oh, he's a sophist- sophisticated man and not just a, a smuggler. He totally looks off three PO too. You imagine that <laughs> Chewbacca is basically uh, helping him give Han a hard time with that. You hanging around with this loser? <laughs> yes, he is a loser. Anyway, how you doing, Chewbacca? Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I, I really Old friend. Lando is again, and Lando is another one of my favorite characters. I just, I think he's, he's, he is, and part of it is just so much of that is, is Billy D. Williams' charm. He's oh, just, yeah. he delivers every line, like, you know. The, the best thing about his charm, though, is if you know, I mean, you know, during the whole time that he's putting on this charm act, he knows that right. the Empire's here. He knows he's going to turn his friend over, and you know he's conflicted about it. So there is a tension to his demeanor during these scenes where he's trying right. to act like the old buddy old pal that he is but he's being torn up on the inside about the whole deer and there's a little bit of that brittleness if you know it's if you know what's yeah. coming if you watch these scenes that he's not you know it could just be he's not as good as actor as harrison ford but it works in that other context as well you don't know quite yet that he's been subverted by the empire it's only later when we realize that uh, C-3PO, when he's reassembled, that he has, right in that first scene, he stumbles onto um, uh, a room that's got stormtroopers in it, right? So they are there, but that's sort of retroactive, that you, you don't you don't realize that they've been there all along until later. So, you know, you're giving Lando the benefit of the doubt when in turn, in, in reality, he doesn't deserve it. Yeah, you're, you're, they're yeah. not afraid to not explain what shoots through C three PO. You have the other. What are you doing? Right. Here? Like, and then he, and then you see a piece of him. But they, and they, they, you'll find out about this later. They continue with the movie. You know? Yeah. Well, I love the subtle, the subtle dialogue right before they enter the room with Darth Vader and the stormtroopers and everything. Where he's like, "I've just made a deal that'll keep the Empire out of here forever," and you never yeah. notice it the first couple times you watch, and then you're like, yeah, "Wait a yeah. second. Oh no, come on. And that, uh, you, you'd notice it. Come on. As a as a seven year old, you don't notice. As someone who hasn't seen, has only seen the movie eight thousand times, but not eight hundred that eight hundred thousand times. Well, that's when he's lowering he's lowering the boom. I I love the Chewbacca C three PO axis in in the Cloud City scenes where they're oh. they're the ones who are linked together, and and he's the one who finds the parts of C three PO. And there's that great moment where he's doing the alas poor Yorick moment where yeah. he's sitting there cradling 3PO's head well, in his hand just like yes. the skull and I in Hamlet. The, yeah, Dan, don't don't let him skip this, Dan. Go back. Oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I just, I wanted to get, the, oh, yeah. the, there's just well, there, a lot there of, are a lot of things, a lot of great scenes in there. Chewie and C-3PO throughout all of this where, where Chewie is the one who notices that C-3PO disappears and he finds his parts and he reassembles him backward and all of that uh, just a great combination. He runs around with him on his back. I mean, it's there's a lot of great stuff there. Yeah, the whole scene, I think there's a very fascinating scene um, we see the scene with han and leia right you know domestic almost you know they're they're she's all dressed up in this borrowed clothes he comes in i don't trust him either let's talk about it as you know 
as equals. But like the the relationship has probably changed at that point, right? Yeah. The two yeah. of them, and, and you know, I don't know. This time around, for the first time in myself, I found myself thinking they've probably they had, had sex, sex now, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yep. I, yeah, that was just it. Just he, clicked. he kisses her on the forehead. Right. Exactly. There's something very you know established about it at that point, point. Um, and I, that's a fascinating little scene. And he's not bothered by Lando's advances anymore because he's confident in their relationship. He just he rolls his eyes at them. Yeah, the great throwaway too at the you know something wrong with your droid. Yeah, no, no. problem. Why? <laughs> the scene I thought you were going to go back to was yeah. This is what everyone says about this movie, but we have to put it in our podcast as well. So he leads the Lando and everybody leads them up to the thing. The door opens. The enemy Darth Vader appears. Yeah. Han Solo immediately takes out his gun and, and yeah. shoots Darth, Darth Vader. Vader. Because yeah. when you see the bad guy, you don't go, so Darth, we meet. No, you shoot him immediately. Yeah. And the best thing about it is that it totally doesn't work. But Darth Vader's like, yeah, I don't think so. Shoop, not take that gun. Lock yeah. the bolts with my hand. Have a seat. And the contrast, too, right? Like, you know, I, I love that it's this white, pristine oh, environment yeah. again, and right? The, like, they love to play with this huge. Vader is sitting at a freaking dining room table. Yeah. Like, He's like, they all sit down and have dinner. No, that's a great <laughs> banquet, right? That's got to be. And then and then after he disarms him, then Boba Fett comes in from the side. He's like, yep, I'm here too, dude. It's like the Darth Vader roast is going to be going on. I would on. love to see that one scene where they're all just sitting awkwardly having dinner. Could you pass the Ro- Robot Chicken yeah. did that did that yeah. bit, no. which is, is hilarious. I had that idea years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the thing, the other thing about this is that, you know, this is the most, this is the most, makes the... The uh, Greedo Han shooting first business, you know, makes it uh, so yeah. ridiculous. It's like the character is established to immediately fire yeah. his weapon upon seeing the enemy. The only reason he didn't immediately shoot Greedo is because Greedo got the jump on him and had the gun drawn on him first, and he had to talk while he got his gun. Han shoots first for crying yeah. out loud. He doesn't. He doesn't even like Chewie growls at least. Han just immediately fires and draws as fast as he can and doesn't fire once. He just aim, shoot, kill, kill, kill. Yeah. That's Han, that's Han Solo in that scene. He is a man, yeah. man of action, Han Solo. Yeah. He shoots first, people. Absolutely. That is, and as it is a great scene. It's kinetic. It's shot gorgeously. And you have that wonderful, you know, absorb the couple blaster bolts with the hand, raise the other hand, give me the gun. And it's just like the stormtroopers come flooding in. And now we've hit that point, right? We've hit the point that we talked about where it's like everything has just gotten so much worse. Oh, yeah. You know, and I think we had that brief. It's that great. We had the descending thing, right? Like we had, you know, the asteroid, the hyperdrive, the space slug being chased. Um, got to hide. Oh, wait, we've got this little plateau. We made it to Cloud City. Maybe we're out of it. Oh, wait, the rug gets pulled out from under you, and now you are truly... The thing that you have spent this entire movie trying to get away from has finally caught up with you, and you are screwed. And I think that's that's brilliance. And it's all because of Boba Fett, who's there too. Yes, yeah. Boba Fett with his little sawed-off shotgun, and you know we'd be honored if you join. You know he's got a smug little smile under there when he steps out from the side. He's like that. That's hello. hello. Oh yeah, so, I'm here too. I'm I'm gonna get Jerk. paid. Jabba the Hutt sends his regards. <laughs> so so um something that that I also find funny in this movie that I didn't notice the first dozen times I watched it is that you know Khan getting car- frozen by in the uh, in the carbon freeze is uh he's just like a side effect. He, they're just testing it out because yeah, they want to use it on Luke. He's just well. It's not even bait. As it, it I don't want to hurt Luke. Um, we better make sure this works. He doesn't want you at all. He wants someone called a uh, Skywalker. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that scene with Lando. That's, He's that's after so uh, somebody called a uh, Skywalker. Skywalker. Yeah, yeah. Luke, we're the bait. 
Yeah, I mean, I love that whole scene too, where Lando comes in. Right? They never even asked me any yep. questions. No, no Lando, just tortured him with a, a thing that makes the uh, little uh, droid with the syringe in the first movie look awfully tame. Yeah. yeah. Now they've well, got a whole rig of torture. I, I love that Cloud City clearly has all this stuff just handy. Well, they no, bring, no, they, they brought, brought it. In the I, know, I, know, I know, but they've got the rooms. I, it always reminds me of my the fact that my my friend Evan and I spent a long time building this like uh, online based text adventure that was like we recreated Cloud, Cloud City in it, and he's like, "Oh yeah, we got to make the torture room," and I'm like, "It seems a little weird to have Cloud City have a." torture room let's just call it like a like a multi-purpose room <laughs> <laughs> so it's you a rumpus torture, room or you can entertain you know one of yeah, the exactly whatever you basketball want. you um, know make it have sparks and then we get that we get the lando scenes right where we we realize lando starts to realize that he too he thought he was going to skate by <laughs> on this deal is but, getting worse all the time right and so and then lando goes into con- he goes into contingency too right he thinks start think you, you can tell he starts thinking about contingencies i love that he comes into that scene and you know to talk to to Han and again to to speak to the radio dramas, one of the nice little like touches they put on there is you know Han comments in in that scene that he's like yeah I kind of think Lando came in here to let me take a shot at him and and you, I think you kind of yeah. get that impression right that you're like he knows what's gonna happen and he's genuinely like he's really upset when the guards start to wail on him right like he's like no no don't hit him. Yeah, that's not what I came here to do. You know, I came here to actually make amends. And, you know, that's not, I realize that's not quite going to play out the way I want it to, but I don't want you guys to beat him up. And Han guilt trips him even more. Guilt trips him even more, which is another reason he might be there. Like, Han convinced me that I shouldn't do this. He goes, you're a real hero. Yeah. You know, and that's even more. And then a nice, a nice, like, pick up wipe when they pick him up. I always love that. The wipe goes up with them as uh, Leia and Chewie pick up Han. The altering the deal business where they're like, I'm altering the deal, pray I don't alter it any further. So for, for the people who, I'll point out these things to the people who Jason who may not may not have noticed this. The reason Darth Vader alters the deal is because in that scene, he and Leia share a knowing look and Vader figures out that, maybe he doesn't figure out that Leia is related to him, but figures out that there's some sort of force thing going on with Leia. And it, he's not going to let Leia stay at Cloud City. He wants Leia to come with them, put, put the, the princess and the Wookiee on my ship. He alters the deal because, and they show that look, they show... Shot of him, shot of her, knowing look shared between them. At that point, Vader realizes there's some Force stuff going on with Leia. That's why he alters the deal. It's not just arbitrary, I'm being mean. And this is something that if you don't if you don't understand that every single shot in this movie is significant, like a Kubrick movie or like a Hitchcock movie, you will miss that. I don't know about the Force thing. I, I, I think it could be more general than that. That the uh, go look there's, the, there's the value because he wants Luke. There's the fact that he has had... They, they share that, that look right before he changes the deal. It's Go back and look at the scene. Trust me. All right. I don't think it necessarily has to be about the Force. I agree with Jason to a certain extent. I guess I had always read it as he he needs he continues to have leverage, right? Just in case this whole thing with Luke doesn't yep. plan out, he's still got. You're right. That that's what people think. He's just doing it because well, he's got all the power. So why should he give any concessions? But they inserted that one that shot of him, shot of her scene. And again, Vader's expression doesn't change because he's wearing a mask. But there is some acting going on there. But Leia's expression is definitely the like. He sees that that Vader is looking into her. It's not just she's not looking at him like I don't like you. You're a mean guy. You're the bad guy, and I'm the good guy. She she is scared, and it's a knowing look shared between them right before that scene. I really like um I really like the 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 reaction shot between you know when I, I love that Chewie freaks out right like you know he's like you know what they're not putting my best friend into this this crazy like carbon freeze thing and he starts like throwing stormtroopers around well and han has to calm him down it's just like no or else no. he's gonna get basically killed right like because vader's got no point for him right he doesn't need chewy he could just he could just off him there would be no problem with that yeah um, but he's, you you look at han again 
Han ever, ever the secret protector, where it's like, no, you well, have to take you care to take of the princess. And that's a great shot, right? Because she sort of comes around Chewie there and then leans against him a little bit. And I love that shot. Like, because there is, you know, you get the idea in that moment, Han's relationship with Chewie has transferred to Leia, right? Like, that she's been embraced and brought into this family. Um, and that there is there is now a bond. The strength of the bond between him and Chewie is now sort of passed on to her. Uh, and, and and I think that really is a great little tying it together. Um, and now Chewie is going to be protecting Leia with the same intensity and ferocity that he brought to protecting Han. Agreed. Next topic. No, I love you. I know. Yep. Uh, I don't think we need to dwell on that. We, we all know that scene. Ad-libbed. It's, we know. It's great. Isn't it's, it great? He he has a good hero's departure from this film. It's not in a heroic way where he's trying to save somebody. It's in a heroic way where he's doing things emotionally heroic, as you just discussed. His hands and arms are yes, tied. And yes, yet, it doesn't but... make any sense. I know. <laughs> the, the, the frozen handcuffs break because they're brittle, and he tries to escape at the last moment. Actually, yes. I think they take the handcuffs off, but his arms are his upper arms are like tied with this weird thing behind his back, which I never understood. Mm. Yeah, it was the strange. style of the time. It's temporary. It's very hot. It, that that's that's removed as he's lowered into the pit. But I love the uh, the shot when they bring him out and the Ugnaughts like slam him, like tip him over. Yes, that, that coffin with the, with the music it's funereal, right? Like, and you see he's the face, slab. and it's just oh man, it is terrifying and heartbreaking and everything at the same time. And you wonder, like, oh my god, like is he a lot? You know, that is the there's a there's a legitimate moment of is of crap. Is he just like dead <laughs> because we're getting towards the end of this movie and it's like oh my god they're not going to save him and like you know we get this increasingly feeling of being in over our head as we realize how much longer can they go can they is they, are they going to save him and i and i i think that especially when we hit that later scene where the where boba fett's ship takes off and you see leia's face and you're like holy crap maybe they're how what's going to happen here yeah <laughs> what's going on you're being put into carbon freeze. What if he doesn't survive? He's worth a lot to me. The Empire will compensate you if he dies. Put him in. Stop, Chewie, stop! 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 The princess, you have to take care of her. You hear me? Huh? I love you. not working like we thought it would and yeah i like all the i mean i love lando's little turnabout again i love the little tidbit that the the imperial officer who's escorting them is jeremy bullock who also is the guy inside boba fett um he was i guess the guy who was supposed to be the imperial officer wasn't they didn't have anybody and they're like hey can you play this role too Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker so that's the the best thing about this scene is the uh, iconic red visuals that scene that, that yeah. you know, the place where Luke eventually is led to when he meets Darth Vader is just bathed in blood red light and black stuff. And they're not afraid. To, it's practically monochromatic. There is darkness and there is red light in interesting patterns and futuristic patterns. But they didn't need to have 
big columns of lasers in the background or flashing lights or anything like that. Well, at the top, there's the like, there's like the blue top, and then they descend into the red kind of hell. Below. Right. I love, I love that little elevator. He comes up. Like I was like, I was one of those in my house. Yeah, his his path to get there is like strange and creepy. It's a, basically just building tension. I mean, you have you know he doesn't see anybody. Yeah, well, yeah. and he and he knows it's a trap too, right? We have that Leia's like spilled the beans, and he's like, well, yeah, Leia gets the first one. She yells it. He doesn't get it because he dents. She goes, rips herself free. One more second, Luke. It's a it's trap. a trap. She can't figure it out. You know, so yeah. we get Admiral Akbar getting to echo that in the next movie. But uh, Leia yeah. Leia gets first dibs. Yeah, on. and what does Luke what does Luke do with his information that it's a trap? Not much. Lunges right ahead. You know why? Because he didn't learn crap. Luke yeah. knows it's a trap flying in. I know, I but yeah. like... Ah, uh, yeah. Part of you think... Well, because you wonder why he doesn't go after Leia, right? Like, he's there to ostensibly to save his friends. Right. He's going He's going right to, to confront Vader because he's a hothead. Well, yeah. and, you know, on, to a certain extent also because Yoda... The Yoda does tell him that they have to be stopped, right? Yeah. You know? So he, he does have a little bit of conflicting advice there. So I, I am... Uh... I like the fact that in the in the battle between Luke and Darth Vader, there's a um, Vader uses his telekinetic, you know, basically force power to throw throw big things at Luke, which is like you think it's just about having that fancy lightsaber, but it's more than that. And he ends up knocking out a window. At which point, one of my favorite little elements is that Luke is just pelted by garbage. <laughs> it's like it's so undignified. Yeah. Well, what's great is if you ever see the behind the scenes stuff, there's just guys standing <laughs> on screen chucking stuff at him. Yeah. It's great. Him, yeah. <laughs> well, in before you get that though, the, the you missed a bit where so uh, Dan already covered the fact that Luke draws his saber first. So my favorite part of that scene is that. Luke draws his saber first. He says, ah, he goes up there. Vader doesn't feel the need to hold his saber with both hands at that point in the fight. He's like, I could probably, you know, all right, come on. You want to do this thing with the lightsaber? I'm not left-handed either. I'll hold it easy. He's exactly. I love that he jumps down the stairs, the the scene where he jumps down the stairs, the cape flowing behind him. It's like, holy crap. Now, the thing is, eventually in the scene, he does feel the need to do it with two hands. He does get a little nick on the shoulder, pisses him off, cuts off Luke's hand because of it. But it's, it's such a great imbalance of power that Vader is so much more powerful here than Luke that he's just like, all right, for, you got his, you got his, uh, his voice in the beginning. You can't see him yet. You know, uh, you have learned much about you're not a Jedi yet. The creepy thing before you even see him, then you see him. Luke draws first. Vader's like, I'll do him one handed for a little while, um, and it escalates. You know, he gets chucked out the window. It's a great fight scene. You've got that brief moment. Where he does have that one moment of being taken aback, where Luke jumps out of the carbon freeze. You know, yeah, impressive. And like, oh yeah, nailed that. And, most and most then, impressive. And then Luke hits him with the hose, right? And he's like, oh, oh yeah. And then he goes away angry. for a little while. Right, but he and he gets two hands with him on the thing. Gets a nick on the shoulder. Like it's a great fight scene in terms of the the shifting of the balance of power. Right, and the, and the the part about that that I noticed most of all this time is after Luke goes out the window and pulls himself back up in the gantry, he's walking through that hallway, and Vader pops out. And one of one is in what is one of the generally most the startling. I think the most like it's just abrupt, right? Yeah, boom, it's, 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 don't exactly. Have There's not a lot of them, but that one's really effective. And when Vader comes out, he is hammering him, right? Yeah. Two if hands you watch that, that scene, not only just two hands, he's just like beating the crap out of him. He's constantly pushing Luke back. He's decided this is over. 
I am finishing this guy. Yeah, and he and he's so much bigger than him, like physical he's so size, tall. and he's just crushing him from above. Yeah, and so and, Luke's and, and, trying to like he's trying to like dodge, or he's trying to use his he's small, he's got a little agility or whatever. And you see that scene where he's like ducking on hitting the railing, and he's but he realizes, you know, crap, I am running out of space, I'm running out of energy, I've already like you know I'm all beaten up, torn up, and everything. You know, I'm running on empty, and then we get the hand. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, that, that's because he hits Vader in the shoulder, and, he, and Vader's yep. like, "Oh, I'm having none of that. You're, you're, that hand's coming off, son." This oh, is the futility. No. Yeah, this is the futility of standing <laughs> up to the Empire. This is what you get when you think that you can play with the big boys. Yeah, he's already running to the end of the spindly little thing hanging over the gas collection chambers or whatever. Then he gets nicked in the shoulder, and he's like, "All right, dude, that hand, that saber, it's going off." You know. And then we have the the sweetener. Right. Yeah. Oh, oh no. Actually, maybe, maybe, even before that, the, the, so he's got him on the floor. Luke is at this point basically oh, yeah. on the ground, and Vader's is you know could kill him if he wanted to, but Vader's goal is not to kill him at this point. Vader's Don't let goal yourself is to be destroyed right. like Obi Wan And he's poking, did. And he's yeah. poking the, the red hot. I don't know, but it's not actually hot. Okay, fine, fanboys, don't yell at me. But the the red light, the red lightsaber, he's bringing that up to, and Luke's face is sweaty, and the lightsaber is right by Luke's face, and Luke is edging away. This scene terrified my son the first time he saw it because he's like, <gasps> like when you're little, you know, when you're at that age, people have young kids, they're too young to hide their emotions when they're watching a movie at all. Oh, they're yeah. old enough to see the movie. Like I think he was like four or four and a half when he first saw this. But they're but they are their little bodies are at the whim of their emotions. And yeah. he was so terrified for Luke in this moment because he understood lightsabers bad, cut you, hurt you, kill you, and it's right near his face and it's getting closer and like That's a scary it, scene. It made him terrified. And I remember being frightened by that as well, because you're frightened for your hero. The lightsaber's right by his face. You know, why yeah. doesn't why doesn't Vader kill him? He could kill him or whatever. The, the ability of this entire movie, Empire, to terrify small children is, yeah. is, is what one of the things that makes me Highly love. successful. Yeah, and, and then he chops off them. his arm! Yeah, and, and, and surprisingly, that was not... It, I don't remember bothering me as a kid, and it didn't really bother my children at all, because that was kind of like the, the release of the tension. That was actually like, oh... Like the fight know, is over at that uh, point. The fight yeah. Yeah, yeah. at that point, and they start having this talky part, which kids of four-year-olds are not, you know, understand. But this movie is, is, is frightening in terms of, like, peril and emotional like you know it's it's emotionally wrenching and there's peril for people that you care about not so much like a monster is going to get me kind of scary well and and the scene is interesting right because and when we hit the dialogue part a we have the fulfillment of the we realize that vader despite having someone above him is kind of conniving still right and he has some ulterior motives and agenda um and he wants to you know he wants he wants to be the guy in charge right he wants to move up in the world um, and so we get that attempt for him to to sway Luke and bring him over. And, you know, what he thinks is going to do it, right, is like, you know, Luke is convinced this guy killed my father. No matter what, I am not, you know, I'm not going to listen to him. I hate this guy. And then we have the, the reveal. Um, and what I always found fascinating later on um, was that how little no one knew, you know, what the scene was. Like three people, like I think Mark Hamill. James Earl Jones, George Lucas, pretty much it. And right. even David Prowse, who's in the suit there, doesn't Saying different know. lines, yeah. Well, he's, and in fact, what he says is, no, Obi-Wan killed your father. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was the that was the fake out line. Right, which makes no sense in the context of the rest yeah. of the script had he read it. <laughs> no, although I always think it would be, it would be a great, it, it sounds so deceptive, right? In some ways, like, you could see Vader 
like throwing that in there as that seed of doubt in the sense, the same sense as, you know, well, we, well, the same sense as, you know, and, and again, coming from the perspective of, we all know Vader is his father, but you know, the first time you see this and, and Lucas was talking about this a little bit in that interview I watched with him where he's talking about, well, it, you know, it's potentially ambiguous. Do you trust Darth Vader when he tells you I'm your father, right? <laughs> or is he yeah. just like screwing with you? <laughs> One little nice touch in this scene. Uh, that people who haven't seen it 80 million and probably have seen it 20 million times may not have noticed is that he, you know, so everyone knows he does the thing, join me and we can rule the galaxy as father and son and he makes that fist. And you've seen that in lots of the screenshots where Vader's got the cape flowing and the fist making. The Foley artist puts a fist, a fist of leather crunching noise when he makes yeah. the fist. That's Tiny a great little sound. there. Tiny piece of Foley. He's yelling, the wind is howling, father and son, crunch. Luke, you do not yet realize your importance. You have only begun to discover your power. Join me, and I will complete your training. With our combined strength, we can end this destructive conflict and bring order to the galaxy. I'll never join you! If you only knew the power of the dark side, Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough! He told me you killed him. No. I am your father. No. That's not true. That's impossible. Search your feelings. You know it to be true. Seeing this, it is your destiny. Join me, and together we can rule the galaxy as father and son. There, yeah, that's that's it's quality nice. craftsmanship. Vader wears crunchy gloves, and and Luke does have his. Uh, Mark Hamill has his unfortunate. No, that's I thought, impossible. I actually like that performance. His performance, where he's like yelling. I think they rung. They rung one of the best performances out of Mark Hamill that you could possibly do. It is cut to the bone there. Right, like, yeah, and it's I think, raw and it's over the top, but you know what? It works. It does work, even if I make fun of it. I do like it. I, I don't, I don't think it's even worth making fun of because I think it's a good performance. Period. Bottom line. He is totally spent. He's a little whiny kid. Didn't know what he was getting into. Screwed up. Didn't follow his instructor. Got his hand cut off. Found out this evil guy's father. He's, he's just, he's. There's nothing left in him. He's basically reverting to infancy with this crying and wailing and and it works it works and yet he draws on something inside of himself to basically say i'm not gonna i'm not gonna give in and and give you what you want which is a great scene that's what makes him a hero in this movie despite screwing up almost everything and getting his butt kicked he's heroic in the end well he holds to his code right which is no i'm not i'm not falling to the dark side i'm gonna I'd rather die he kills himself basically i'd rather die Uh, he doesn't know he's gonna live he's falling to his death as far as he's I mean, concerned. you see that the first time, you assume Luke is going off to bad places. And and you look at the expression on his face, he's committing suicide. And then, yeah, and again the radio drama version, he this is obviously made much more explicit, but I you know, I love I do love some of the lines in that are in the radio drama for this, you know, where you basically you know, you get the idea like, Hey, I'd rather die. Um and you know, Vader's sort of taunting him for that and he, you know, has a couple of lines like, Hey, I won't be the first person to die to keep you from winning and, and then he's just like bam i'm gone you know and i think that that's 
and we could we could discuss the the evilness of the special edition of the adding his like uh, you know whatever. But I think I think the original is is fine as is. I'd forgotten about that. Thank you for reminding Sorry. me. Then. Sorry, John. I blocked Sorry, John. that out successfully, but now it's no. Back. It's a great. I mean, you know, I, I mean that's and I think it's perfectly fine in 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 the original. Even you know that maybe one of the few places that that special effect falls down is the the falling effect. But it, I, it doesn't even bother me really. It's you know. It's because you're caught up in, in so much more than just the technicality. That lowering musical scale as he falls, yeah. that's the magician distracting you from the fact that, yeah. yeah, it's not a great mat, and he's kind of, you know... I always had to laugh at the fact that he you know gets sucked into that tube, right? He's he's bobsledding down the thing. He slows himself down. Somehow ends up door. with this yeah. one trap door. Right. Well, he's at the low point, right? Well, at the bottom yeah, of the weather like, vane, yeah. I love that it's a trap, do- it's a trap door. Why, why is it a trap door in a place yeah. that arguably no one ever goes? Why doesn't it just a makes door? Sense. Access port. Yeah. <laughs> But, it's, but it is scary. It is extremely scary. And it's it's their litterers. The, the garbage now, all collects down there, and when there's a certain weight of garbage, it opens up and it dumps out. That's I'm sure that's the answer. So so uh, what's it called? Uh, Lando and well, so here's the part where Leia hear me, blah blah blah. This is another reason I think that they were establishing that there's some force thing going on with Leia because otherwise. Yeah. It's out of the blue that the Han, yes. that, that Luke can communicate with Leia through the Force. Yeah, that's why I think that look is. I'll give you the exact timestamp of that look, Jason. You can look it up afterwards. <laughs> I, I thank you. But so, so she comes back. And the thing, this has been pointed out by many stand-up comedians, but it, it is, it is true. And if you think about it, it's kind of strange. At the point where uh, Han and Leia, I don't know if it's this scene. Let me, let me just check the, the footage here. At some point later in the movie, you know, it's so Lando's flying the ship, right, with Han. Yes. I think it's, I think it's after well, they're Chew- leaving. Chewie and, is also possibly flying, depending uh, on. Uh, yeah, no, Leia, Land, Lando and Chewie are in the ship, right? And Lando is dressed in Han's clothes. Now everyone has, well, everyone okay, that's has the pointed end. this out. That's the end. Yes, everyone has pointed this out, and it's like, well, does he step in his wife flying his clothes? I finally thought of a reasonable explanation. Well, he lost his wardrobe. For, no, because he's he wore it out of Cloud City. He was wearing his Cloud City outfit when they made their escape, and then right. later at the he's end of the no movie, he's got no more clothes. He's got the hand. That's that's the smuggler uh, the smuggler uniform. Like the, if uh, you're a smuggler, it's, like, it's kind of like how cowboys always wear like the cowboy outfit with like the vest, and the sheriffs wear a particular outfit in old westerns. Where well, if you're a space smuggler, this is what you wear. Yeah, it's a smug it's a smuggler outfit. It, yeah. It's it's worse than that. It's actually they are Lando's clothes. And he lost them when he lost the Falcon. He lost them when he lost the fair. <laughs> and he's square. like, finally, I get my shirt back. Falcon with my closet. Well, I I, you know, I just wanted to say, you know, we briefly alluded to the Leia Hear Me scene. I love that scene, if only, you know, for the music, for the, like, there's a, it's a silent scene, most of right, like, because we get Leia muttering, and then, or we get Luke muttering, we get the music, we get the cut to Leia, and they're flying out. It's a gorgeous scene, right? The, all, all the filming in that Cloud City sequence is awesome, right? And Leia's, you know, we got to go back. Lando's like, are you are you freaking crazy? Do you know how much it took us to get out of there? And Chewie just you know gives him one, oh, all right, all right, and then you're yeah. like, all right, we're going back. And then you know we get that flip around the clo- the clouds and everything. I love how they pick him. They they have to go up and on the roof and pick him up. Yeah, it's awesome, right? I love that. I love that he's you know they send up this guy right and. Like, Luke's never seen this guy. He doesn't know him from Adam, but he's like, yeah. oh, it's probably the Falcon. I guess it's better than hanging out here. Yeah, not a lot of choices there. Well, and he's so- back in half-subconscious territory that we get in the beginning of Hoth. Yet again, Luke is half... Yeah, and then we get um, we get the uh, cut back and forth, which is that fast dissolve between Luke and Vader as right. well. That's the, yeah, the and, middle and he's, and he's communicating with, with Vader. At this point, he's saved that he's communicating with the Force with Vader. He's going, father, son, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Luke, Luke basically hangs up on him tel- telepathically speaking yes, and converts to ben. bitching about Ben. Why didn't yeah, you tell me? You tell he me? hangs up on Vader mentally. Yes. Yeah. I like, I love that. I mean, I like that, that scene. I just, where he's just like so, he's sitting in the cockpit, you know, like looking up there and he's just like, 
totally shell shocked. Um, he has not done well. It's yeah. a great moment in for for Tamil and you know to to be like, holy crap, this is all coming crashing down. Right. Meanwhile, we have the whole problem of them trying to once again get away, and they're yeah. about to be totally screwed. And of course, who comes and saves the day? But R two D two, no one would listen to C three PO. Is like, I don't care what the city central computer told you. You fixed my leg. What are you talking about? You don't know how to fix the hyperdrive. Han, and he just goes Chewbacca and turns it on. Do it. Yeah, and he flips yeah. the little switch, and finally that effect that they've been withholding for you. For yeah, the entire oh, an entire movie. Yeah, there you get it, finally. Well, and then you get that shot, right? The Piet shot. Piet, yeah, Vader and Piet's eyes widening, widening, <laughs> yeah. and him like looking like, oh no, oh no. I just, I was two weeks from retirement, and yeah. and then Vader turns around, and you're like, walks is he gonna him. kill him? And then just I'm walks out. by. That's it. That's a great. Great moment, and the reason the reason he walks by is because that's that's Vader's character scene. Vader is legitimately upset that he couldn't turn his son, and then his, and he's so upset that he just can't even bring himself to kill his subordinates. Well, and, and, <laughs> but, I mean, and he, and he kind of realizes it's not entirely you know, it's not really the, it's not really their fault. It's like, what is it going to do now? Obviously, you know, yeah. he's he's upset that he that he lost the thing. He's he's so bereft that he can't he can't bring himself to do I one of his favorite things, strangle. which is killing subordinates when they don't do well. <laughs> uh. <laughs> And Piet gets to live and be in Return of the Jedi. <laughs> it brings the, us to the most important part of the movie, which is when Luke gets his nifty prosthetic hand. Yeah. So, 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 ow. From another friendly uh, doctor droid. Maybe the same There's one. So or maybe yeah. the same one. Could be. It is, it's good to see you again, sir. Yeah. Well, And we get that nice, you know, we get that nice moment where L- Lando's clearly, you know, Lando's going to try to atone. Everyone's kind of hopeful and we realize hey we're going back to Tatooine <laughs> yep meet you at the rendezvous on Tatooine and what do they show you in the background of that scene they show you for what I think is the first time in these movies a gigantic spiral galaxy which yeah. is again widening the scope of saying this is not just about a planet and a place this, the scope of this story is like the whole galaxy and to get, give you a big picture here I, I think that's a. I think that's just actually bad science. Is is I think they wanted a, yes. a cool backdrop, and so they've got a they've got a, a spiral galaxy. It's like where are they at this point? They, they can see the spiral galaxy. I know the whole the yeah. whole traveling. It's whatever. bad science, but it's a beautiful. Make ending. any sense? But it's beautiful. It's it a is great beautiful. Musical cue. Oh. That beautiful music that comes in, yeah. you know, over over that finale, which Jason will no doubt overlay over this conversation. And- <laughs> of course, and because it's Required. such a beautiful conversation. And the fact that, um, again, what do, what do we get out of this movie in the end? I can see why people might have uh, initial reaction to it might have been like, what, what, wait, yeah. what, what's going on? It's like, you know, it's the middle part. And what we got is that our heroes escaped, except for Han Solo, <laughs> and, and didn't die horribly but that that's the resolution right there is no real resolution it is a to be continued kind of moment i have to laugh at my cousin jenny who was a who was a teenager at that uh, when it came out and i remember her telling me stories later on because she was like you know 14 or 15 or something and she's like i thought i would die before return of the jedi i was worried i would literally just drop dead at some yeah. point before return of the jedi came out and i would never know what happened <laughs> yeah because they're just the ships all fly off and 
It's the music end. comes up and and you know C three PO's and R two are all polished up and and, and they put Luke and Leia in a New Hope t- style clothes. Leia's back into kind of a New Hope ish little outfit. Luke has like an yeah. outfit that looks a little bit like his from, from a New Hope. Like, but we we look at all the characters and it's not as if they they've treaded water to this thing. Every single person has had an arc, with the exception of the droids, probably because they're just always droids. Oh, even the droids have had an arc. Well, they've had they've had an adventure in a story, and they C three PO had a disassembly exactly. and reassembly arc. R two saved the day again. R2 right. got eaten by a slug. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it, they grow as characters, but like Luke has certainly been through a lot and is a changed person. Han and Leia's relationship was established and everything. Yes. Orlando, you know, changed from his life of crime and left his thing, has become part of the rebellion, and Han has ended badly for him in a frozen block on Slave One going towards uh, Tatooine. For the people who complain that this movie like doesn't have an ending or whatever, this this weakness of middle chapters of like it can't it can't resolve the conflict because there's no. going to be a third it, it can't it can't end with them winning and it can't end with them decisively losing the only thing you can do is take the characters to a very different place from where they were at the beginning of the movie and i think this movie does that even more so than the other movies because think of han at the beginning of a new hope and han at the end they are much less different than han at the beginning of this movie and han at the end well it's the subtle it's the subtle uh pivot that is what you get and instead of uh a big resolution right so the resolution here is they've managed to get away and as we know, especially, you know, but you can feel it here and then you see it in the third movie is they're about to go on the offensive, right? They, they've, they've managed to survive a lot of this bad stuff and, 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 and some of them have fallen, but they're turning it around and now they've got a rendezvous point on Tatooine. They're going to go get Han back. They're going to go on the offensive. And, um, and that's the, that's what the end is, right? And that's, it does, it does seem a little strange after all the drama that they're sort of like wearing nice clothes and smiling as they fly off. But, um, that, that's, that tone is a little strange. It's preparation. But, but that's what's happening is they've, they've turned the corner. But look at the, uh, the shape, of the, and I'll go back to the shape of this movie, which I think narratively is, is as John's saying, you know, in the middle chapter. But, like, uh, again, what I was saying, like, look at the downward descent this entire movie takes, right? It, everything goes down. Everything gets yep. worse and worse and worse until about, you know, that, that last scene. And we have that sort of, you know, climactic I am your father scene. And, and then, like, that's really it. Like, we've hit rock bottom. Luke is literally as low as he can go, right, without falling all the way to the center of Bespin. And and then we get that little bit of an upswing just enough to stabilize sort of where we are and say, all right, that was sort of our denouement. Let's turn this around. And as you're saying, go on the offensive and, and bring everything home. Uh, and I think that, to me, what makes this movie so compelling is watching, you know, watching that descent and seeing all the terrible things. And what makes it so fascinating and great as an adventure movie is they don't all just go like, well, crap, <laughs> we might as well give up. No, they're so fighting they're, the entire way. Not yeah. only are they fighting, but they decide to turn around. They, 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 and, they show the, and they show the rebel fleet at the end. They say, look, here, the rebels have reorganized. Here's their fleet when they zoom out to them in the window, yeah. which is not a great mat either. They zoom out and they show, here's our, our heroes in the mirror. And look, they're part of a bigger thing. And there's an X-Wing. Remember X-Wings? Yeah, they're still yeah. here too. And here's the whole fleet. And they do the wipe to the 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 Star Wars music, the happy Star Wars music. That's you know directed by Irving Kershaw. Dun, 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 dun. Like that's the ending credits music. It's not like oh we're all sad music. They have the oh we're all sad music when they're flying away and we're sad about Han. We don't know how it's going to turn out. Cut to the happy Star Wars music. It's not like it's like the fight continues. They're you know at- it's upbeat. We we hit the upbeat note at the end. 
it was going it's going back to what I was saying about this being, you know, about model after serials and this being the center section of the serial where there are the there are the sort of individual stories where things keep on getting worse and keep on getting worse and keep on getting worse. And, oh, here's your here's your major hint. Things are going to get very, very different, very, very fast. Stay tuned until next time. Which turned out to be four years later, I think. So. Three. three. Was it three? It felt Well, it felt like four. Well, no, it's, it's 77, 80, 83. It, it felt like 900 is what it felt like. Oh, my like. God. <laughs> it felt like a long, long time. I, oh, yeah. And, and I, I wish I could claim. I wish I could claim that I remembered. But I was, this movie came out a month after I was born. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, some of us had to wait. Dan was but a wee child. I was and and I was but a wee nothing. Yeah. But, oh, yeah, and a, as travel. a quick addendum, um, I know we, we talked about it last time, but John Williams, once again, um, turning in not only building on the themes that he established in A New Hope, but integrating several new themes. John mentioned the Interior March being Absolutely. The, the most iconic of them. But I think also worth mentioning um, Yoda's theme, which is an excellent suite that gets used a lot here and and to even better effect, in my mind, in, in Jedi, which we will we'll talk about when we, come, when, that, when we get to that. Um, but also great individual standalone suites uh, like the Asteroid Field, um, asteroid field is great. The asteroid field is great. That that cue at the end we were just talking about is fantastic. Uh, a lot of ha- Cloud City, and especially I love I as a as a teenager, I always loved the uh, the music for when they're getting escaping Cloud City. It's really tense. It's done really really well. And and Williams, um, you know, he's he's obviously uses this this leap motif style where he draws in these themes and so even though he's got these suites where he does like Yoda's theme, Imperial March, whatever, strains of those show up in all yeah. the other pieces whenever they appear on the screen and I think that's part of what makes his score so indelible and so, uh, you know, so much a fabric of these movies is it really is tied to not just what's happening but the characters and the motivations and the emotions that are sort of going on um, and it's just, it's, I think one of my favorite scores to listen to from beginning to end, um, much more so than I think is either of the other movies, which I, which I enjoy listening to, but it, I think work better. You know, I, I, I can sit and listen to individual tracks from those empire. You started off from the beginning to the end, the whole music tells the story of the, of the, of the movie itself without even needing, you know, the dialogue. And it's, it's so evocative. And I, and I, I think it's, it's probably the best work to my mind that he's ever done. And when my son plays Star Wars, like when he's playing the ships and he doesn't know anyone's watching and he's and he's humming something to himself, he doesn't hum the Star Wars theme. He hums the Imperial March for the good yeah, guys yeah. and the bad guys. That is the Star Wars song as far as he's concerned. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. All right, we, we've uh, uh, reached the end. Uh, I, I So did everybody like this movie? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I really thought they could have done it better. Maybe the third one will sort of wrap things up and, you know, be more satisfying. Maybe. Ren and Dan, have you both said this is your number one all-time movie, all genre, all everything? This is actually my favorite movie of all time. Yes, Ren? this is this is my number one. Wow. It, it is not my number one all movie all time, but I can't pick a number one all movie all time. It's like a three-way tie. So this is a con- this is a contender. If I had to pick one, it would be this one followed by Lawrence of Arabia. Wow. But what about Jason? You do not seem to have it as in as high esteem. So how would you place it on your all time? Obviously, best Star Wars movie. It's but. the best Star Wars movie. It would probably be in my top ten. Um, not even like beyond what? that. Top harsh. five. Top five. Uh, we should do a movie of just everyone's top five all time. Yeah, yeah, that would be that would be great because I, I I would have to construct a list. I'm pretty sure I'd put it in my top. That's hard. I can get I get to two. Well, see, see, because. <laughs> 
I had to construct a five a while back, yeah. and that's the only reason why I have a list to begin with. Yeah, like Raiders of the Lost Ark, I like that. Raiders, Raiders of the Lost the Ark is my so. number four. Wow. Okay, we don't want spoilers. We don't want to spoil that because right. we've got, once again, lit deep, very deep into a podcast. We've got an idea for another podcast. We'll just keep going. We'll just go until the break of dawn on the East Coast. And- oh, I gosh. thought we were starting right. Jedi now. Yeah. Sure, let's just roll right into it. All right. Um, thank you all for spending so much time talking about this movie, which is a great movie, and I'm glad that and, – and it's personal favorites of, of – of two of you, which is which is uh, extra special, um, and uh, we'll have to do this again with Return of the Jedi once we've all recovered. Uh, but until then, I want to thank everybody for listening to this special um, multi-part extravaganza of the incomparable. And in case you've forgotten the voices you were listening to, uh, I will thank them now. Dan Morin, thank you for sharing. Uh, you're welcome. And I can't believe I forgot to mention Lobot. Oh, Lobot. That's it. That's as long as I know. Okay. John Syracuse, thank you for sharing as well. I could go for another three hours, Jason. I I know. (laughs) He's tireless. He's a marathon man. Serenity Caldwell, thank you as well for being here and sharing your perspective on this one. Thank you, Jason. And maybe Force be with you. Uh, Thank you. Always. Uh, For The Incomparable, I'm Jason Snell. Thanks to everybody again for listening. We'll see you next time. Uh, 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 uh,